the topic today is have faith in God. And if there's anything I can say right now in the world, it is to have faith in God. You know, um, Jesus said it himself in Luke chapter 18 verse 8. He says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. He was talking, uh, he was telling them a parable to the disciples and the peoples about a judge. This particular judge was not a God-fearing judge. And he didn't bother or worry what people thought about him. He was a really, you can say, a harsh and a hard judge. Uh, but there was this widow who came to him on a daily basis. And she asked him justice against her adversary. And at first he didn't adhere to her. At first he didn't want to hear what she wanted to say or help her. But because she kept on coming back to him, she was so persistent in coming back to him, that this fearless God, this man who had no reference for other men, that he said, I better now give her the judgment against her adversary. Otherwise, she is going to draw me weary. Now, Jesus uses this, that parable. And he said to them in Luke 18, 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Here he is talking about God. He's talking about prayers to God. And, and this is what it really resonates on my heart. I absolutely don't know the circumstances you're in. But persistence in prayer to God is important in our day and age, especially in our day and age. And this is what he tells them in this parable. He want to tell his disciples and you and me to keep on keeping on. Keep on praying to God with prayers of faith. Keep on believing that God will answer your prayers. Whilst, you know, the dark clouds is coming on the horizon and we see that, we hear that. I mean, if you turn on the television or news, I've stopped watching it because it affects you. Because it's all doom and gloom. It's all negative. And in the midst of all of these things, the words of Jesus comes back like an echo, like a refrain. That if you keep on praying to God, like this widow, that, that God will avenge you. Now, that's not where the verse stops. In Luke 18, 8, because he says the following, he says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, I've heard a few messages about this, but you've got to stop now and ask yourself the question. If you look around you, if you look at other Christians, if you hear what people say, the messages of fear, because the opposite of faith is fear. Then these words of Jesus becomes really important. Will the Son of Man. Now that's the title for Jesus when he came to the earth. And he intercedes from us into heaven. That Jesus. Now it is really interesting that you see he uses the title Son of Man. Not Son of God. Why would he do that? It is for this reason, that whilst Jesus was with us on the earth, living amongst us, doing all of his miracles, doing all of his teachings, we can learn from that. We can see that. We can hear that.
This is what John says. John says there in the letters of John, 1 John chapter 1, he says, Him who we've seen with our eyes, we've heard him with our ears, we've looked into, that he uses a beautiful word there, we've looked into his life, so we've studied him. That's the Son of Man. And you might say, but preacher, I haven't seen him physically, I haven't heard him physically, but that's why the Bible is written for you and for me. We read about all of his miracles and the Holy Spirit is come to open it up for us and to teach us about him. That is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And maybe I'll preach a sermon on that because it's important to know the Holy Spirit. So Jesus asked this question and it's a question which you need to ask yourself and I need to ask myself. When the Son of Man comes, and, and believe me, His coming is soon. It is so close. He says, will He really find faith on the earth? Now, what faith is He talking about? He's talking about this faith that He explained in the parable. The persistent faith. The persistent faith of the children of God. And I am asking you. I'm, I'm urging you like a Paul when he speaks in Romans chapter 12 to hold on with persistence to this God that we serve. Now, this is despite all of the circumstances. Listen to this widow. Her circumstance was that she's a widow. She lost her husband. She had an adversary. She had somebody because she lost her husband. He didn't want... He didn't want to come and, and he doesn't tell what the problem was. But because he felt that she, she maybe because he's a widow, there's nobody who can stand up for her, that he didn't want to do what he needed to do. But she went to this, to this judge and she persisted on that. So the circumstances doesn't bother for the persistent prayer of faith. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether things happen around us and whether it's things that astonishes us. And look, there's a lot of things that astonish me. If you've said a year and a half ago, if you said August last year that we're going to go through all the things that we did, we would have laughed at each other, but we did. My question is, if, if Jesus visits your home today, tonight, will he find faith? The persistent faith. Now, I want to go back to Mark now. And as we walked with Jesus, we've learned a few things. But in Mark chapter 11, verse 20, I want to zone in on Peter and I want to show you something really interesting here. He says in Mark chapter 11, verse 20, Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now we know this. We've seen this a few weeks ago. The day before Jesus came to the tree, he saw the leaves on the tree. And when he went there to get some fruit from the tree, there were no fruit. And Jesus said to that tree that no one will eat from his fruit ever again. The next day, the tree was dried from the roots. Now again, as I said, Matthew said immediately the tree started drying up from the roots. Now here we find Peter looking at that. Now look at his reaction. And Peter, remembering 
what Jesus said the previous day. Said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Look at the words there. Rabbi, look, exclamation mark. That's a sense of, of surprise. Now, I want you to think what's happened here in this specific passage here. Jesus made the impossible possible. Think about those. What is impossible? It has never happened before, never ever in the history that a tree withered away by just a word that was spoken audibly to a tree. Never before. And he withered away within 24 hours. Now we can look at trees and I've seen a few trees around. I mean, even if I drive to work on one of the routes that I take, if I look in the field, there's a lot of trees which is dead. They, they are withered away. There's no life in them. But that happened over time. Over time, the tree died. This tree withered away within 24 hours. Never before did it happen before. Jesus makes the impossible possible. I want you to understand something today. We are serving a God who will make the impossible possible. Think about that and get excited about that. Because in the midst of what we are living we are serving such a God. People are coming now and they say it's going to be impossible for this to happen, for that to happen. It's going to be impossible to live with a virus. It's going to be all these things. But we are serving a God who makes the impossible possible. Now I want to give you a few examples. And as you know me, I love the Word of God and I love Scripture verses to speak for itself. Just a few examples. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 17. Listen to what this prophet say. He was also known as the weeping prophet. He says there in verse 17. Ah, Lord God! Exclamation mark. You know, this surprises me. You need to read even the exclamation marks in the Bible. He says, behold... You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing. There is absolutely nothing too hard for you. And you're absolutely right. I've added a little bit in that last sentence. Jeremiah says to God, and we sing a song. We sing the song. Ah, Lord God. You've made the heavens and the earth. And nothing is impossible for you. And I want to talk to you today. I don't know where you are. I don't know what your, your impossibility is today. I absolutely don't know, friend. But take this verse from Jeremiah and apply it to your life. This week, every time when you pray, use this verse Pray this verse back to God. Say to God these words in your prayer. Say, Ah, Lord God, you 
Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched hand, and there is nothing too hard for you. And then you say, Lord, this problem that I've got, it is not too hard for you. If he can make the earth and the heavens, nothing is impossible for him. Now, Jeremiah wrote this when the city that they were living in was going to be seized from the outside. And they came to him and sold him a land. And you know what he did? He bought the land, knowing that they were going to, the city is going to be under siege and they may or may not live. They may or may not survive this. He had the faith in God to praise God for the impossible that God is and can do. He is the possible. He makes the impossible possible. So there is a great example, a great verse to encourage you in times that we are living in. And then what about Luke chapter 1 verse 37? Listen to this now. For with God nothing will be impossible. Who said those words? It was the angel who appeared to a virgin girl called Mary. And he said to Mary that she will bear a child and that child's name will be Jesus for it is him who will take away the son of his people. And then this is a virgin girl. And, and again, it's the impossibility that Jesus brought into the possible. How is it possible that a virgin could bear a child? And you know what the angel says? The angel says, for God, there will be nothing impossible. At the same time, he said, Elizabeth will also have a child. And we know that that child became John the Baptist. How wonderful is this God we serve? How wonderful and great is this God we serve? I don't, I don't worry and care what CNN, NBC, NN says. All these people say. I don't care what, what you know, the Democrats, if you're in politics. I don't say what the naysayers say. But I serve a, a God who makes the impossible possible. Think about that. And then let me give you one more. Matthew chapter 19 verse 26. But Jesus, and this is himself now, Jesus looked, first I gave you a prophet, then I gave you an angel, now I want to give you Jesus. Matthew 19, 26, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. How wonderful. And again, friend, if you go and pray this week, take these three scripture verses and start quoting them back to God. You're right, that's how I pray. When I pray, I use the Bible and I pray back to God. You know, when I pray to God, when I use this verse, I say, Lord, thank you that Jesus said to his disciples when the rich young ruler came and, and Jesus said, go and sell all your things and give it to the poor. And he walked away. And, and then Jesus said to them, it is easier for a camel to go through the needle, uh, the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter into the kingdom. And Peter says, how will any, how is it possible that anybody could be saved and Jesus said these words he said when he looked at them with men this is impossible but with God all things are possible have faith in God that's the theme that we're talking about in the midst of your circumstances have faith in God and this is so good and this is so powerful now this speaks to the power of God 
those three verses. When, when uh, um, Peter looked at this tree and, and, and the amazement comes all over him. And he says, Rabbi, look, the amazement. And he saw the power of God through Jesus. This and these three examples, and there's plenty examples that speaks of the power of God. Yet, there are so many people who still do not understand the power of God. Do you understand the power of God? Again, I go back to Peter. He says, Rabbi, look. And, and the Greek word used there for look is the word ide. I-D-E. I-D-E. And that means surprised or, or um, you know, gobsmacked. Wow. You know, it just, that, it's that feeling. You know, it's, it's absolutely surprised. And then he puts down the exclamation mark there. It's sort of like a call out, a surprise call out that Peter is giving. Now that surprises me. Peter's reaction surprises me. And this is what I mean that there are so many people who do not understand the power of God. And they live as if they do not understand the power of God. And, and you know, we say, but look at Peter. This shouldn't have grabbed him by surprise because he lived with Jesus for nearly three years now. I mean, think about this. Jesus walked on water in front of Peter. On, on water. By the power of God. He then said to Jesus, call me out. He got onto the, out of the boat. He walked and, and, and a few steps on the water. He experienced the power of God. He started to sink because of his his unfaith. He's, he didn't have faith. He looked at the circumstances. You know, he was in the boat when Jesus calmed the sea, spoke to the wind. You see, he makes the impossible possible. He, he was there when Jesus healed the blind and healed the demon possessed and made the law lame to walk. The impossible again possible. And even when he raised somebody from the dead. And, and the thing is, you know, we can look at Peter and we can say, Peter, how could you not have faith? But, you know, we are the same. We are the same. How quickly we forget. I want to ask you now, could you still remember when you've experienced the power of God in your life? Those things which you thought were so impossible. There you were, so paranoid about things. You, you prayed a simple prayer and then you turned up and you were so paranoid. You, you already saw how you lose and everything is, is lost. And then when God intervened, it wasn't lost. I can tell you testimonies upon testimonies. When we stood in the hospital at, at a, a small baby's bedside where the doctor said, no, we're going to take out. You know, we, we're going to take things out and he will walk with the little baby for the rest of his life with a little satchel which will cut up all of his urine. And we prayed a simple prayer of, of faith. That boy is a young man now today, nothing wrong. God makes the impossible possible. But how we forget. Now we look at our circumstances and we see our circumstances is bigger than God. And then we fear because the, the enemy of faith is fear. How we forget.
Why do you keep on forgetting, my friend? We serving a powerful God. Now I want you to see Jesus' reaction to, to Peter's reaction. You know, you, you've heard my reaction. My reaction is, I'm a little bit surprised that Peter, in fact, was surprised by the power of God. Because he was with Jesus on the boat. And I read about that, and I believe every single word thereof. So we should also not be surprised by the power of God. But look at Jesus' reaction. Mark 11.22 So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. That's our theme. That's our topic. Jesus' own words. I want to say to you today, Have faith in God. You see, he says, Peter, you've seen amazing things. You've seen the power of God. You've experienced it firsthand. That's nothing. Have faith in God. Let your prayers carry the faith of God. This is again what I say when Jesus was talking about the parable. This is the faith that he's looking for. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. The word here when we talk about substance means it's something tangible. Faith is the substance. Faith is something tangible of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Evidence it's amazing. And, and by the way, if you want to open up, this is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'm actually giving you the biblical definition for faith. But these words are so interesting when we talk about faith. Because it says it's the substance of things hoped for. Hope is the reward for faith. Whenever you go through the Bible, you will find faith and hope. Hope never comes before faith. Go look right through your Bible. Faith and hope. Hope is the reward. If you've got no faith, you've got no reward. If you've got no faith because hope looks into the future. I hope that you're going to be there tomorrow. I hope that he's going to give me food. You see, hope is pointing towards the tomorrow. But faith is now. So if you've got faith now, the reward that you will get tomorrow is hope. Now look at these verses. It's on your screen. He says, the substance, something tangible of things hoped for. The evidence. Now what is evidence? If you bring evidence in, it is something that you can see with your eyes. But then the writer, the Holy Spirit through the writer of Hebrews says, the evidence of things not seen. This is what faith is. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were, were framed by the word of God. Now that you've got that first part of this verse in verse 1. That is the bedrock. That is the foundation. You know, do this as homework. Go and take just that first verse and meditate on it. You know, get victory over that. Uh, I, I try to, to encourage you to take that verse because if you understand the substance of things hope for the evidence of things not seen, you will understand the Bible in a different light. 
because now you go to verse 3 he says through faith now all of those things in verse 1 we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god you can't see the word of god but it's a substance you see it is the hope for tomorrow the word of god is the hope for tomorrow if you hold on to the word of god today by faith you will have the hope for tomorrow you will have the reward tomorrow and then he goes on to say so the things which are seen were not made by things which do appear hebrews 11 verse 1 simply put faith is to believe in something you cannot see nor necessarily prove that's what faith is now i come back to the words of jesus because he says have faith in god now that's what faith is when he when jesus talks about that faith that's what he talks about now listen to me listen to me now faith contains out of two characteristics this faith that he's talking about the first one is intellectual acceptance and the second one is trust so if you look at faith it's got two foundations intellectual acceptance and trust so intellectual acceptance is believing that something is true and trust is relying on the fact that it's true and then use it I'll, I'll come back because this is important these two characteristics intellectual acceptance is believing something is true and trust is relying on the fact that it is true now let me give you an example we take a chair for instance if you walk up to a chair you know your kitchen chair and you look at the chair your intellectual acceptance tells you that that is a chair and the purpose that that chair has been built is to sit on that chair with your full weight your intellect is telling you that's what you're going to do but if you do nothing then you're not operating in faith because now you've got to do the second characteristic and that is trust how do you trust that's when you take your full body weight and you go and sit on that chair physically and it carries your full weight that is what faith is intellectual acceptance and trust now let's apply that again to our faith our definition so faith is the substance of things hoped for your intellectual acceptance needs to accept that although you don't see it it is a substance and your trust is that you're going to apply it and that's going to give you the reward which is hope evidence of things not seen so we can't see god with your physical eyes but we believe that he is there and i trust in him so trust is the action to faith now again in hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 if you read that whole chapter out it's the chapter of faith he says but without faith this faith that we've learned about now it is impossible to please god it's impossible 
He's not looking for anything else. How many books you've read, how many sermons you've listened. No, no, you know, for some people, this sermon will be all forgotten by next week. For some people, even down Tuesday, this sermon will be forgotten. No, no, he says, without faith, this faith that I've just taught you now, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. You see, intellectual acceptance, you need to accept it with your intellect, that you believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So once you believe intellectual acceptance, you start trusting, and that is the action that you are walking in faith so jesus said to peter and to the disciples have faith in god he's not just saying have faith no no look at these words he says have faith in god you see god is the object of faith here the object god is the object of faith so what does it mean to have faith in god you know what does that mean when he says that? And I want to just again want to give you a few characteristics of God that you can believe in, that you can have faith in. You see, you have faith if you believe in God's person, who he is. That's when you have faith. So when you pray, you need to understand that you are saved and God is your father. And as your father, he cares about every single need in your life. That's his person. That's who he is. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, you must have faith in his person. When you close your eyes, you're speaking to a person, you're speaking to God. And you must have faith in that. And again, I'm going to give you a few scripture verses. Let the Bible speak. 1 Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him who cares for you. So when we come to God with our circumstances, with our impossibilities to God, we need to have faith in God, in his person, who he is. He's our father who cares for us. And then, as Peter says, we cast our cares upon him. Philippians 4 verse 6, Paul writes to the church, Be anxious for nothing. I see a lot of anxiety in life these days. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You need to have faith in the person of God, who God is. He says also in God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guide your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So the first thing, if you have faith in God, when he says have faith in God, you have faith in God's person, who he is, Elohim. And then we have faith in God's promises. So every time when you close your eyes and you pray, then you pray and you've got faith in God's promises. The people of God have some very special promises. You and I, as children of God, the Bible is full of the promises of God. But you have to have faith in those promises that they will become true in your life. You have to have faith in God. And look, I'm not talking about a wishy-washy promise that somebody comes around and say, you know, God said this and God, no, no. I'm talking about the promises written in the word of God. They are written there. Romans 4 verse 20. 
He says he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that he had, he had promised, he was also able to perform. Who was this? Paul writes to Romans about Abraham. Abraham. What did he say about Abraham? He said that Abraham did not waver at the promises of God. And look at Abraham's life. Study his life. And you will see that Abraham had faith in God. The same words that Jesus used to his disciples. The same words that through me the Holy Spirit speaks into your life today. Have faith in God. Have faith in his person. Have faith in his promises. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God are yes and amen. So this faith is really, really, really comprehensive. So we not only have faith in the person of God, but we have faith in the promises of God. But then we also have faith in the power of God. You have to have faith in the power of God. This is what amazed Peter. Wow, the tree. Rabbi, look. And you and I need to also have faith in that similar power, that exact power. We serve a God who possesses all the power in heaven and earth. He's an he's a omnipotent God. The word omnipotent means um, it is the quality of having unlimited power and potential. Unlimited. That's the God you serve. That's the God that Jesus said, have faith in God. We see this in Matthew chapter 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. You're not serving a... Uh, a soft, uh, uh, weak uh, uh, God? No. You are serving a powerful God. And all authority has been given to Jesus in heaven and on earth. And, and, and just listen to me now. That even if somebody wants to come and touch you, they need to go and get permission from Him. You belong to Him. That's the faith you need to have when he says, have faith in God. Have faith that God, in God's power. Jeremiah 32 verse 17, again, we come back to this verse, which I gave you earlier on, where he says, Our Lord God, you know, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. And you should shout hallelujah and praise God. So when we have faith in God, we have faith in His person, we have faith in His promises, we have faith in His power, and I want to give you one more, we have faith in God's purposes. There are plenty, I can continue on, but just for the lack of time, I want to give you four. It's easy to remember that next time when you pray, when you go on your knees and you pray, I want you to think in your mind that you're praying to God and you need to believe in His person and you need to believe not only in His person but in His promises and in His power but also in His purposes. He has an eternal plan that is working out and He will accomplish that eternal plan. It doesn't matter what kings and princes and presidents and world powers on this earth think they are going to do. They are nothing in God's hands. 
God's eternal purpose and plan will be accomplished. It will be. He has a purpose. God has a purpose for every single thing in the universe. And it is subject to His will. It is subject. So next time when you see the news and you hear about this uh, big uh, power, you know, China is rising up. Who's China? Who's China? Who is the monarch of China in the hands of God? Nothing. Nothing. Because if God's got a purpose, He will complete His purpose, not only for the universe, but also for your life and for my life. He will accomplish that. You will not live a day longer than God's purpose will be in your life. Or a day less. You will be in a circumstance as long as God's purpose is fulfilled. Or not. Isaiah 46 verse 9. Remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. Praise God for that. I am God and there is none like me. Praise God for that. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Can somebody please take this scripture verse and, you know, print it out and send it to all the world leaders around the world. God's purpose and plan will succeed any other man's plan. Let it be known. And this is not the first time that he said or heard. Proverbs 19.21 There are many plans in man's heart. Oh yes, I can say amen to that. There are many a plan in man's heart. Many. I listen to the young people when they, when they passionately talk about their plans for life. I hear that. I hear. I was also a young man. Don't forget. I'm not that old. I'm still young. But I can see and I can hear and I've experienced. There are many plans in man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Oh, praise the Lord. Can somebody give this to every young person in life? I should have had this verse when I was in school in, in my final year. So there you've got it. When Jesus says, have faith in God, it's not just words that flippantly roll off the tongue. We've got to have faith in God's person, faith in His promises. We've got faith in His power and we've got faith in His purpose. That is what we have. Now I want to end today with what Jesus then uses in this passage when He says to Peter, have faith in God. In Mark 11, 23, he says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now again, I've preached this before, but I'm going to say it again. Mountains here is a picture of the impossible situation that you are in. Now Jesus certainly didn't say, guys, if you don't like that mountain, there, the physical mountain, pray for it and God's going to move it and rearrange the whole earth. I think we, the earth will constantly be moving if that is the case. No, he was using a picture if you look at a mountain and I say to you, can you move that mountain just 10 meters so that I can get a little bit sun, more sun. 
you would say to me, it is impossible. What did I start saying when we started preaching? We are serving a God who's making the impossible possible. Now he's using the picture of that mountain. And he says to these people, these uh, disciples, and he says to you and to me, the impossible in your life, when you come to God in prayer, you need to apply the faith, the faith that I've been preaching about today. Have faith in God. You need to apply that faith. Similarly to how the widow did it with that judge. Persistently you need to come and do it with that faith. That impossible thing in your life. You come to me, you say, it, it feels as if it's never, I'm drowning. It feels as if I can't get ahead of this. You know, one thing happens, I get over it, another thing happens. I get over that, another thing happens. This is the prayer that I'm talking about. This is what Jesus said when I come, when the Son of Man comes. Will he still find this faith, the persistent faith, the faith in God? Will he still find that? That's the question to you today. Have faith in God. Now currently, for a lot of people, this mountain, this mountain that Jesus talks about is the COVID pandemic. For a lot of people it is. I mean, let's face it, our lives were changed. You know, our freedom is like a nervous dove. It could fly away any moment. It's, like an, it's not just like a dove, it's like a nervous dove. You know, there's a few doves around my house and uh, I give them a little bit of bread and they make nests around. I love the sound of them in the morning. You know, that sound that they make. And we've got magpies around the place as well. But the dove is really interesting. And I see them sit on the, on the swimming pool fins and I can see them during the day and I can see when they sit there and they are so relaxed. And then I hear a sound or even if I make a sound, they stand up and they become nervous. Nervousness is the first step before they flee, they fly away. And this is how freedom is for us these days. Our freedom is so fragile. It's like a dove standing around nervous. And we could lose our freedom any moment, any moment. And it is true, you know, for some people, this is, this is a mountain. And for some people, it's the vaccine that's coming out. And there's a lot of stories about the vaccine. And it is, it is terrible. It's terrible, the things that I read about the vaccine. You know, and, and uh, how people fear-mongering it. Now, I'm not for it. By far not. I think there's a lot of things that needs to change before this person will have a look at that, you know, favorably. But for some people, it's a mountain. For you, I want to say today, have faith in God. Don't just watch the YouTube videos. And it's true. A lot of those YouTube videos is true. I'm, I, I don't, you know, doubt the fact. It's true. The things are happening. The world order and the, the global um, one world order and, you know, the great reset. It's coming. The Great Reset's already been talked about for years now. I mean, I can remember for the last, I think, 30 years that I've known about it. And now it's coming to fruition. And, and, and you look at these things and you hear what people say. And, and listen, brother and sister, I don't want to become one of those voices to you. I can easily. I can tell you things here now which will scare you. You won't sleep at night. I read a lot about it. I think it... I think I need to be up to speed to know about all these things. 
And at the right time, if I need to warn you, I will warn you. But I will then also believe that because I don't just, you know, water it down, that you will listen when I warn you. But I don't want to become just one of those voices. I want to bring you the voice of God. I want to bring you the voice of Jesus. I want you to listen to His voice. And His voice says today to you and me in the midst of all of these things, about every single thing that's going to happen. And we've had it over these times. The end of the world, 2020. You know, everything. How many people were fear-mongering around? The blood moons, this, that, this. And people run around. And they just fear. It's just become part of the voices. But they neglect the one voice which they need to listen to. And that's the voice of God. And today the voice of God says to you and to me, Have faith in God. I can't say it more clearly. And this is an urgent message to you. I reckon you need to listen to this message over two or three or four times this week. Let it sink in. Take those scripture verses. And do not let things fear or bring fear upon your heart. Because the opposite of faith is fear. No, no. Stand on the faith in God. May the Lord bless you and may He keep you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And Father, help us. Help us. We need help, Lord. We are desperately in need of help. We need the helper, the Holy Spirit, our Parakletos, to come alongside us and help us, Lord. But we also need help, Lord, to have faith in you. We need your help, Lord. This world is going astray. Father, the things that I hear I, I can just see how it can make, make people fearful. And people's hearts will leave them. They, they, people will, will become sicker and they will die of fear in their hearts. And I want to pray against that, Lord. I want to pray, Lord, that faith replaces that place of fear. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.